It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast is fueled by Cody Road and recorded in the Wild Rose Casino and Hotel Studio. I'm Jeff Woody. I'm here with Grant Mahoney. We are in the Cyclone or Fanatic Podcast Network. We're here in the Wild Rose Casino and Resort Studios, and this show is presented by Calderon Manufacturing. I've officially gotten over the respiratory situation that all the harvest had gotten through, but I imagine most of those farmers were using Calderon Manufacturing and the down corn reel, and they were just so successful at pulling all of the corn out of the ground, or if it was down, off the ground, and they had the capacity to do that. So thank you to Calderon Manufacturing. Uh, Grant, how's it going, buddy? Uh, pretty good, man. We are talking about the second place Iowa State Cyclones. Hey, who had that on their bingo card? Hot seat. Hot, oh my God. Hot seat. Once again, <laughs> that dude. Yeah. Can, is there any way that, uh, like, I don't know if it's possible, but to revoke the, the joy that a person can get from success of something, you know, like at the, if you're, if you're that negative about it. Like you don't deserve to be happy about it, you know. Like you can't, you can't trash his, his, it. His fan card's been revoked. Yep. Sorry, guy. Take off your dumb band aids and your jersey and get out of here. So, Iowa State wins and they beat the shit out of Cincinnati, thirty to ten. And you know, thirty to ten, a twenty point victory. That is a pretty st- substantial victory. Cincinnati had two hundred and fourteen yards in the entire game, and it didn't really ever feel like that game was close, which was, I mean, the, the Oklahoma, the TCU game kind of felt like that, but there was more that TCU had done early in the game to make it feel like they had the potential to come back to it. It never really felt like Cincinnati had much of a chance. And it was nice to see TJ Tampa get a pick to kind of like start the game. Uh, and then it never really changed after that point. Yeah, Emory Jones is a lot a lot worse than I thought. I'm telling you. 96 yards passing. What did I say before? The, I mean, it was either going to be, it's feast or famine. It is going to be really good, or what are you doing? Like, there's no middle ground. There's not going to be a, a second and two. Like, they're not going to be in second and two. They're going to be in second and 18, or it's going to be a 50-yard pass. There's no middle ground with Emory Jones. I'm going to be curious. Uh, Cincinnati and Baylor play this week. I'll be curious to to watch that game just to see what kind of pillow fight we got and who we're going to, you know, what kind of team Baylor is going to be we play them following weekend well i'm curious to see with baylor being able to rebound from kind of the season they've had if if they're able to beat up on cincinnati they might be like gain some confidence in this 
um, as a full disclosure to this, we're only going to spend 10 or 15 minutes talking about the Cincinnati game because Iowa State's going to be going into a bye this week, as all of us or most of us know. And we're going to spend most of the time next week talking about the Cincinnati game, what the implications are going into Baylor. So next week is going to be pretty football heavy. This week, we actually get into basketball with Nate Schuster, who's going to be joining us throughout the basketball season. So kind of getting his feet wet in the podcasting game, getting him used to Grant and his weird questions. Yeah, uh, I'm not quite sure they're weird. They're just thought provoking. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I think yeah, Nate's gonna be a nice addition. Um, you know, you didn't play basketball. I I I tried to play basketball, um, and Nate's got good knowledge on on the on the basketball realm. And uh, this year's team is gonna be good, man. I haven't been to a basketball game in probably f- three four years, but if you, I'm gonna I mean, try tic- to get to a couple this year. Tickets are gonna be hard to come by unless it's during like winter break when the students are gone. But tickets are gonna be hard to come by unless you know somebody because this there's gonna be a, there is excitement into this basketball season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got a team that might be able to score some points this year. Hey, oh, actual shooty hoops basketball points. That's right. Put shooty the, hoops put basketball points. Hoop. Yeah, put that on a t-shirt. I think that's what you try to do. Uh, to, but to finish up, kind of the Iowa State Cincinnati thing, we we are gonna get into the most important two things that happened, other than the win. One is. Uh, the best athlete on the field finally got the ball. Yeah, and he won special teams player of the week, too, deservingly so. Second time this year. Uh, I'm going to call it now. Chase Contreras, sorry, you can you can dive into the second point. No, no, no. We'll start uh, with the first okay. one. Uh, Chase Contreras, um, he has the ability to play on Sundays. Which I, would be a wild story. I, I, wholeheartedly, I wholeheartedly feel that. And I mean that his form is is pure. He is, he's got a very... Um, replicable form he's very smooth and consistent uh he hits clean balls um one of the field goals also the be able to, the ability to concentrate because the there was a snap that was really high yes and sh- tyler perkins somehow got the ball down and i think that was the 40 it was the yard? it was the first uh field goal of the second half I and believe. it was really high snap I'm, I'm surprised perkins caught it to be honest i, I mean, mean really nice job by tyler Perkins. no idea if he hit his spot or not it doesn't matter because Contreras put it through but um now Buck's got to pull together, man. He had, also, a, he had a good game last last game, and then this game. Uh, also, fun fact about, and I think some people probably saw it on social media, Chase Contreras was the first upperclassman to receive a carry this year. Did you hear the announcer after he had the carry? No. Is that Contreras? Oh, stud. <laughs> go, go back and watch it if you can. He's like, I, stud. It's like a, like a, that was a whole note. That was a whole well, note. It, it was like, a, who, had, who had the dunk? Abdul Nader. Oh, that, that's what it reminded me of. Stud. I appreciate the emphasis on anytime you're calling a kicker a stud because he rightfully is. He looks like he probably curls at least 30 pound dumbbells. At least a couple times. At least. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other most important thing was that, uh, Special teams was good. Special all teams all was phases, yeah. Real good. Jalen Noll had some great returns. Perkins, I think he averaged 42 yards. Long of 55, had one inside the 20. Contreras, bombing Perfect. kicks. Perfect. Uh, so the you, weekly statistic, we will do that this week, and we'll get into the actual like offense and defense, the nuts and bolts next week. Um, what do you think hidden yards was? And as a refresher for the, for the audience that's kind of casually popping in on this, if I start my drive on the 15 and you start your drive on the 25, I have to get 10 yards to just get to where you started. And so those are yards you didn't need to gain. So those 10 yards are hidden yards for you. So how many total hidden yards, if we sum up all of those drives, how many hidden yards did Iowa State win 
hidden yardage by? Because we already know they won. But how many yards did they win hidden yardage by? Well, I think this is going to be a flabbergasting stat because Iowa State had a total of 364 total yards to Cincinnati's 214. I'm going to say that Iowa State had... Oh, God, I'm going to say we started on probably... Iowa State probably started on close to their 40-yard line. Um, I'm going to stick with my 176 yards. Give me 210. The only reason this number isn't higher is because there were only 10 drives for each team in the game. And so when you add them together, Iowa State had a hidden yardage advantage of 120 yards on 10 drives, which means you start 12 yards closer to the end zone. Iowa State's average starting field position was the 38. Yeah, I was going to say probably about the 40. That is I did say that. Wild. Yeah, they were, our average starting field position on the 38, which means the most, again, the average yardage that you would get in the end zone with would be 62 yards. That is an insane statistic. Special teams-wise, uh, remember, a touchback on a kickoff is the, to the 25. A touchback on a punt is the 20. So, like, anywhere between the 20 and the 25 is usually where you're expecting to get the ball back. Uh, if anything in front of that is just kind of gravy. Iowa State started a full first down in front of that. It's stuff, a, a, a set of downs you didn't have to use because you were already almost on the 40. Uh, Cooper's pick at the end of the half doesn't factor into that, does it? Uh, no, because that was, it, was it, 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 there wasn't a drive. There was no drive that seceded. Yeah. That. So it was a zero second interception. So, uh, yeah. So I would say really had like, so they had 364 plus you said 120. One, yeah. Yeah. It's like 400, almost 500 yards of. So basically 500 yards of yardage. If you add hidden yardage to Iowa State's yardage, or more likely you'd, I don't know, you could subtract hidden yardage from Cincinnati because that's what they would have gotten to. So if you subtract hidden yardage from Cincinnati, they had 60 yards well, right? or eight, 70 yards. Yeah, yeah, it's, they're, anyway. they're having a rough go of it in the, in the Big Twelve. Yeah, that's the. Uh, I think another thing. That, so this is a statistic that I also just want to get out, and then we'll kind of we'll get to Nate because then we'll talk basketball. We'll talk more Cincinnati next week, and into we're on to Cincinnati. I have to show. I have to Bill Bell check that one. On to Baylor, you mean? Oh, Cincinnati, and you get it because it's this on to Cincinnati. It's when they lost to Kansas City a couple years ago, and then Bill Bell check goes. We're on to Cincinnati, and then answered every question. We're on to Cincinnati, and then no one really wanted to talk to him anymore, and then they went on to go to the playoffs. Missed that. Anyway, uh, so Malik Verdun played this week. He's good at football. In games that Malik Verdun has played 50% of the snaps or more, which he got hurt in the second half of the Ohio game. So let's include you and I, Iowa, Ohio. Then he was out for Oklahoma State and played very sparingly in the Oklahoma game. Then came back for TCU and Cincinnati. So in five games... Malik Verdun has played, that is, he has played 50% of the snaps or more. Iowa State has allowed six offensive touchdowns in five games. Two of those came in garbage time, one against Northern Iowa and one against TCU when they weren't, when I, he was off the field. Six, six offensive touchdowns that he's been on the field. That, that he, when, in games that he has played in. So whether or not he was on the field yeah, for yeah, yeah. that, like in games that he's played the majority of. So Iowa State is essentially, if you take the two garbage time touchdowns out, which, you know, three minutes left in the game, you're already up by a zillion. They, Iowa State has allowed four offensive touchdowns in games in the two games that he was out for the majority of the game, which would be Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. They allowed eight offensive touchdowns in two games. They allowed four offensive touchdowns in five games with him on the field. So, yes, Oklahoma's offense is better than any other offense that we've seen this year. That's that's of course. But Oklahoma State, I would argue Oklahoma State's not a better offense than TCU. They're, they're hot right now, too. I'm glad Iowa State played when they did. Yeah, but like. You have when when seven Cooper and 
17 are on the field at the same time. That is an elite defensive unit. Oh, then you look at the corners too. It's like when Tampa, on. I mean, Tampa, when, when, when Purchase, Tampa's a, he's a draft. When Purchase is able to play physical downhill, he's not great. I mean, relative to his standard, he is not great going backwards into like deep coverage, covering forever like TJ Tampa is. But if he's able to play physical and get into the receivers and play in the running game, stop the short yard of kind of the 10 to 12, 15 intermediate passing game, he's really good. If you have him one on one, and you have a six, five wide receiver that's going to run down the field a zillion times. That's not exactly his strength, but when he's a, when you have Jeremiah Cooper, who's able to play and kind of help him a little bit more when Malik Verdun can play in the run game. And then the over the top coverage can be Cooper and the, un, and purchase can have a little bit of help. Then he doesn't feel as much on an Island. You can put TJ Tampa, but just by himself and Freeler and Verdun can go hit everything. Like this defense is really, really good when seven is on the field. And he's, he's not the exclusive reason the team has gotten better, but him being healthy, excuse me, makes a big difference. He was charged up this week too because he's from Cincinnati. So I mean, this is like you know homecoming. I'm sure he had a bunch of people, friends and family there watching him. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we'll put a pause on Cincinnati for now, and then we'll talk about that again next week into Baylor, seeing what happens with the Big Twelve season. Uh, we're gonna get to the Goldfinch Athletics guest, but first, if you're interested in where this sweet T-shirt came from, you can get it yourself if you go to fitness.tyr.com using code GOLD1 to sign up. You get 20% off everything in the store. Everything that Tier makes, you get shipped directly to your door. It takes about two weeks because it's custom stuff. It's a little bit less if it's less if it's not custom. You can get this sweet Goldfinch Sports Performance shirt, I think for $21, $18, I think, one of those two. So it's 20% off of everything, fitness.tier.com, using code GOLD1. Th- those of you who are not watching, too, this I mean, the shirt fits Chef nice. It's hugging him in all the right places, so. Jealous. No, the you used to see the shirt, the shirt. happening underneath. Oh. It's hugging me nice, too. Ew. No, uh, I am jealous. That looks like a nice, nice shirt, though. Thanks. Fitness.tier.com. Anyway, we're bringing on Nate Schuster, talking basketball for Iowa State. Check it! Now we welcome in an extremely special guest. This guest is the career three-point shooting percentage leader at Iowa State University. Minimum one-shot attempt. We are here with... I don't think he ever missed. I never missed a shot. One for one. It's Nate Schuster, who was a basketball player under the Prome staff, and uh, he's going to be helping Empire. us. He, did, has anyone ever called it that, the Proman Empire? I'm sure they have. Yeah. Well, I think Reagan made shirts okay. that had the Proman Empire on it. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, he's going to be helping us out a lot on basketball because I grew up wrestling, and I have, uh, I feel like I have a good fan's perspective on basketball, but not a lot of expert perspective. And Grant has a state championship ring. Yeah, uh, dominated. Uh, I was a JV all-star, uh, self-proclaimed nickname, Machine Gun Mahoney, because it never never saw a shot I didn't like. Just let it fly, baby. Let it fly. Uh, whereas Nate actually has basketball chops. So welcome to the show, Nate. What, uh, I guess, what brought you into wanting to talk on podcasts about sports? Because sometimes it's a good gig, sometimes it's not a good gig. So what brings you on? Nothing wrong with chopping up. Also happy to be here. Uh, but yeah, it, nothing wrong with educating the masses on how mediocre I was at the game of basketball in college. <laughs> <laughs> so you were a, so kind of your skill set for those that don't remember, which if you don't remember, shame on you. Um, where was, what kind of, posi- yeah, what honestly. position did you play and kind of what was your role on the team? Because even if, so I started as a walk on and my role on the team at that in 2009, when I played was I was a scout team running back. And whenever they had a big running back, they would put me in that jersey number, and that was my job. And we ended up going to a bowl game that year, and I'm damn proud of that season. So 
what was your role on the team? So like position wise, and what was your role and who were you kind of playing with? Like what years were you there? So role pretty similar to you, like scout team was, was primarily what I was doing. Um, and that, that varied week to week, uh, based on, so we had four coaches who would do scouting reports and each one would rotate. So like coach King would have the first game, then he'd have the fifth game, then he'd have the 11th game, if that made sense, and, okay. and then so forth. And based on that, I, I could play anywhere between the point guard to the five man in scout team. Okay. Uh, like I remember vividly, you could probably find pictures of me wearing Brady Mannix jersey when he was at Oklahoma. And that guy, I'm 6'3 on a good day, and he's 6'11. And Same he thing. could shoot a lot better than I was. Debatable. Uh, true. Statistically. I've seen him miss threes. Yeah. <laughs> Never seen you miss a three. Yeah, I've never, never lost a national title game, too. Uh, right. bump. There you go. But when it came to, like, the offense, I was truly more of, like, a 2-3. I mean, my ball handling skills, to say subpar, would be nice to me. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I'd say I was, uh, like, a Swiss Army Knife scout team player. Okay. the true. Can true you – um, <clears throat> this is maybe, like, way out of, you know, coming in from left field, but – can you talk about um, Steve Prohm's timeout strategy and why he would call them when we had momentum? I don't Honestly. know either. All right. I don't, I'm, yeah. <laughs> Shit, the guy's not even here. It, I couldn't I couldn't really tell you why some timeouts were taken. Like, what's or the philosophy taken? behind that? I've, that's, that's one I've never heard of before. So I'm just like, hey, maybe it's, you know. Maybe he knows something I don't. Maybe it, it could have just been the right time to take a timeout. I really don't know the strategy. Sometimes guys just needed a breather too. So, but yeah, Grant is trash on the coach. Not even here. No, nah, I mean, I just, you know, if, if you're, if you're rolling, keep it rolling, baby. When the other team's rolling, that's when you call a timeout. Not when your team's rolling. Unless you're uh Scott drew, in which case you take a timeout whenever you damn well want to, including when there's 12 minutes to play in the game and you lose, use your last one. Dude's got national championships though. Yep. Um, so kind of getting into this, this year's basketball season, this is probably one of the, I don't know if it's the most anticipated, but it's probably one, if, if not the most anticipated, one of the most anticipated basketball seasons in recent memory since like, you know, like the Monte George Naz years where everyone's expecting to be good and also expecting to be good on. I guess I was going to say on both sides of the ball, but uh, I don't think anyone expected Fred's teams to be good on defense. They were just going to be so good on offense. So I guess it's not necessarily true, but there's going to be there's so much anticipation going into this season. What's going on right now on in the middle of October into basketball season? Because we're about, I mean, just shy of a month out from the first games where you're playing, uh, I guess, is do we, is opening, is it against, you know, like Sister Mary School, the poor, and then you play a tournament and then you go back into kind of harder non-con? Like, what, what is this? Aiden, do you have the schedule pulled up at all? Yeah. So they open with Green Bay, November 6th. The Phoenix. Sure. So they Phoenix. change the Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah, they're the Phoenix. They're the Phoenix. No, they're the Panthers. That's Milwaukee. God, no, it's the it, I okay. Oh, Green Bay, the Green yeah, Bay yeah. Phoenix. Okay. Not was, to take was, it. We're gonna Milwaukee. We're taking a detour right now. So one of the things that that one of my favorite things during March Madness, and we did an entire episode about this, is when you for, fill out a bracket because you can fill out a zillion brackets. Is if you do a bracket that is if this mascot fought this mascot. So or the Mike Leach bracket. Yeah. So right. So you do if. If you are yeah, Mike Leach, RIP, um, if you are Oregon playing Creighton, what would happen if a duck got into a fight with a Blue Jay? Like who would win that fight? 
And if Green Bay makes the tournament, they literally can't lose. If a Phoenix fought anything, it can't die. You cannot beat a Phoenix. So there's like the Titans, or I, I don't remember, the UC, there's a UC school that's the Titans. But Green Bay, I always remember that the Phoenix, because in filling out the bracket, I'm like, damn it, Green Bay made it. Right? Mark them all the way in the national title. Never going to lose again. If you ever seen Harry Potter, you know what a Phoenix is. Literally cannot die. So anyway, they open the season with the uh, national champion mascot fight, Green Bay Phoenix. And then it's Lindenwood and Idaho State, and then Gremlick State, and then it's off to Florida for a tournament. So it's a little bit of the first four games being Sister Mary School of the Poor. So what are they doing right now in the middle of October prepping for those games like, is it, are they, is it sort of like hard condition, hard physical practices you think, or is it more trying to get an idea of who the roster is going to be? It's more of that second one. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. They're probably not going to prep for those games until the week of, just because there's not going to be too much footage. I mean, they're doing light prep work now, but it's really more so filling out the roster, making sure that we know special end game situations, you know, like the end of half, you're all the way on the other side of the basket and you got three seconds. We got to make sure we get a shot off, you know, basic under out of bounds plays, press breaks, zone defenses, if they run any, like it, it's really the wrap up of the true preseason before you get into the non-conference where you start to get a lot of the younger guys used to, Hey, this is what a weekly scouting report looks like. This is what we, this is how we prep so that we can wrap this up before January 1st. I kind of want to ask you about that too. For So with football, I'm sure it's probably the same for basketball. The, the, the speed of the game is so much quicker going from high school to college. So what's what's like one of the biggest adjustments for, for a high school um, basketballer going from high school to, to college? Especially being, uh, I mean, Iowa high school and Wisconsin high school where I'm from, I, I feel like they're not too much different in terms of just the generic sizes of people. It's the size and the speed of the people you're playing against. Like I was a relatively good high school basketball player, but I was the tallest guy on my team. Like at six three. So I'm 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 yeah, I'm running I'm running as the four or five man on this team, and then all of a sudden I have George Condon on my team who is sending me like he'll send my layup into the the eighth row okay. if I'm if I shot it good. So I think that's the biggest thing. Also the the offenses that you run in college are a lot more complex than the high school game. I mean, you can get away with running a flex or a swing offense and and milking the, the clock for a while. I, I feel like a lot. Uh especially with schools that don't have the shot clock in college, it's, there's a lot of pacing to it. Like you want to get over half uh, as fast as possible. So you can have more time to run your offense because who knows if the play falls apart because it's college kids are going to make mistakes. So those, those are the two biggest things I thought has the, does the physical. So again, grew up wrestling. So the only basketball experience that I have is playing like rec league basketball. And I'm a fairly, you know, I'm not, I'm six foot, not tall, but not short, but I'm a fairly thick, broad shoulder dude so like what I do decent at is the kind of getting rebound position but then you go against somebody there was a guy in the the rec league that I played who played who started at UNI for like three years he's like six seven and started at UNI for three years and the power that that dude can get into a like get into the block with is that something like is the physicality difference substantial or is it something like oh I got hit by this guy before it's just the guy that I'm getting hit by like played offensive tackle for small school Wisconsin who's strong but not skilled or is it like what's the difference physicality wise between high school and college well the weight the weight goes up but i feel like for me at least everyone's on the relatively the same weight program so the, the physicality it looks heavier but it's almost the same whereas like if there's a big guy in high school it's going to be the same as the big guy in college he just might be taller like 
we had so, we had Solomon Young. The best defense against him was probably sending a double team from the backside, uh, rather than just having someone go one on one because he's just that strong. If that makes sense, yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Which and the reason I was asking a lot of like the strength thing, so we ha- there's two guys. So I kind of want to get in like sort of like position grouping by position grouping. So more from a basketball analyst perspective on what this team is going to be looking like or what these guys are going to be dealing with, as opposed to uh, you know let's pick the win total. So the the guys that uh, you know the excite the freshmen that everyone's really the freshmen plural are that people are really excited about are obviously Omaha because he's you know Omaha, but then also um, Milan Mamchilovic or Mamchilovic. Uh, those two guys, they are true freshmen coming to play and are expected to play a lot of minutes, but the guys they're going to be practicing against because they're sort of in like the wing post somewhere in between there, depending on the lineup that they're going to be in. But the guys are going to be practicing against are Bob Jones and Trey King and Hassan Ward. Like men, d- dudes, absolute weight room dudes. What are what do you think the benefit of practicing against for those younger guys to practice against guys like Jones, Ward, Trey King, like what? What is that going to be like for the freshmen? And I would say JT Rock. Yeah, benefit for JT Rock, who's for sure going to redshirt. I mean, yes. I, he's they, they don't need that much help in the post. But, but I, like, I love that he enrolled early. Yeah. So those freshmen, what is what are they going to be experiencing when they come in and they're going against guys that are that physical? So there's a saying, and and Coach Steve said this uh, back in the day, Coach Prom. He was saying that if you're the best player in the gym, you're in the wrong gym. So just inherently by being in the gym with those guys, they're going to get better. They're going to understand the physical physicality of the game because the big 12 is not the big 10 in terms of physicality, but it's a better conference because they actually play basketball. That's a shot by the way. <laughs> oh, hundred percent. It's, it's a fist fight, but uh, it's not as, it's not basketball. It's just, it's a fist fight. Yeah. It's uh Roger bowl. And I joked that it was organized wrestling one, once upon a time. Back in the day. Especially when but, you go to Morgantown. What? No, we're talking about, uh, they're talking about the Big Ten. He was taking shots at the Big Ten, buddy. I know, but I'm but I'm but I'm saying like Morgantown is. Oh, like, that's that is that's big. That's Ten probably basketball. the closest thing yeah. to yeah. it. Yeah, that's yeah. Big Ten basketball or Texas Tech at United Supermarkets Arena because Texas <laughs> Tech will absolutely get into a freaking cage match with you and not care. But anyway, yeah, that is true. But but when it comes to those young guys, the physicality that those guys are going to show those guys is like, hey, if you want to be good at this level this is what you have to look like and be better based on like how you recruited. Like Omaha was, what was he the third or fourth highest recruit in the country this year? I use number five overall. I'll say top five, five for sure. Yeah. Anyway, top 10 minimum. So this is, this is pretty much saying like, Hey, if, if you want to be successful at this level and beyond, you need to match the physicality of X, Y, Z, Hassan Ward, Trey, jo- Trey King and 
uh, Bob Jones. So I think that's that's key for them. Um, but from the videos I've been seeing from the social media, it looks like they've been doing that pretty well, uh, especially the thing that impressed me the most about those guys is they're being able to get their shot off from the perimeter because the, the jump from the high school line to the FIBA line now is significant, especially so being a high school guy. The FIBA f- line, is, so is it 21 foot something? Is that, where's the three point shot at? Uh, it's like, honestly, it feels like it's about six inches less than the NBA three. So okay. is it's NBA 24. Aiden efforting. So FIBA is 22.15 feet. And that's what college is now? So 22.2. Okay. So you have 22.2. Yeah, I guess if you can shoot it, if you're if you're 6'8 or 6'9, like those guys are, and you can shoot it from 22 feet out, the versatility that that provides the offense, I think that, to me, that not, feels not like... Just, not just the offense. And you go on defense and you've got... And you can still play big guys yeah. against a big lineup and still shoot on the other side. I think that's the reason why they're the most, why I think people are the most excited. It feels like the wings. So if we're talking about the wings, there's Milan, there's Omaha, but then there's also, I think, I feel like the guy that's not getting talked about enough is Damarian Watson because we, Aiden and I were kind of talking before we recorded Damarian Watson might end up being the Gabe Kalsher of this year where whoever your primary shooter is, you have a guy with who's what six, seven and has the athleticism that Demarion Watson has, like he might only get average six or seven points a game, but he's going to be, it feels like he's going to find his way onto the court because he does every little thing right. Like what do you see out of Demarion Watson or what do you want to see out of Demarion Watson from last year to this year to make sure that he gets to be that guy that is, you know, this really tight rotation of wings to actually get some playing time. So it's funny you guys mentioned this because I actually wanted to say this on the show today was he's actually the guy I'm looking most forward to watching this year. Out of out of the entire roster, like not Omaha, not Milan, not any of my Wisconsin guys, it's it's Demarion Watson. And if he's if he's making the jump that we all want him to make, it's really going to come down to the defensive side of the court because we want him to play more so he can showcase the offensive side. So it's really going to come down to can you guard the guy, be in the right rotations in a man to man defense, and then show up because he's a crazy good athlete. As long as he can stay on the court, stay out of foul trouble, and play good defense, I think we'll see a nice little jump out of him this year. Yeah, I mean, he's always kind of, you know, I don't want to say it, not, not the forgotten guy, but he doesn't, he's, he's never in the spotlight, but he's always, you know, just doing the right things, getting those, yeah, eight, those 18 minutes a game. Yeah, but four just rebounds, five points, two block, or like a block, two steals. Yeah, but he, he just never, I mean, he never, never messes up. You know, he's just doing the right things and doing the dirty things that, you know, other guys may not want to do. What, uh, what do you think the advantage? So to, to, uh, there's one other guy, wings wise. What do you think the advantage of uh, having three freshmen at that position is? And what do you think the biggest challenge is? Because the other guy that kind of falls in that wing sort of three, four-ish is Caden Fish. What do you think the advantage of having three young guys is? And what do you think the disadvantage of having those three young guys is? The advantage from a coaching perspective, in my opinion, is you have options. The disadvantage is there's probably going to be a couple of guys that separate from the pack and that might lead to issues come recruiting season after this after the year, just because guys might become, you know, pissed off or, or yeah, like yeah. you know, you're getting two to five minutes a game, you're gonna be like, this uh, that, uh, I don't know if that's gonna be a quack, but oh yeah, uh, that'll absolutely be a quack. But I, I, I from from a perspective of the coach, like it gives you options. Like if one guy is having a good week of practice, maybe you roll with that guy. A couple guys, couple guys are showing like, hey, 
these guys are proving that we can make the big plays, be in the right spots in game time, because ultimately it doesn't matter who plays as long as you're winning. So, And you know what? This team has been so good at defense since TJ has taken over. It's obviously been their calling card. Um, but I am sick and tired of seeing 40-point games. Let's talk about these transfers, man. They brought in some guys that can just, I mean, doing their best Nate Schuster impression out there, shoot the lights out of the three hey. ball. Let's talk about the transfers, though. I mean, we got we got, we got got Jiggy Kurt, we got uh, Pavleski, and we got the, the guy from UNLV. Keyshawn Gilbert. Keyshawn Gilbert, yep. What do you know about them? From what I saw in the when they went down to the last uh, preseason tournament stuff, uh, I guess like the foreign tour was probably the real term for it, but big fan of Keyshawn Jones. Liking the fact that, you know, he Curtis Jones? Will Keyshawn Gilbert. Keyshawn Keyshawn Gilbert. Gilbert. Yeah. Curtis Jones, sorry. I'll, Curtis Jones, okay. I call him Jiggy Kurt. You guys might fire me after one <laughs> social media handle. Anyway, but yeah, continue. I'm going I'm to call him the Buffalo transfer because I'm going to mess this up now. Uh, Jiggy. But Jiggy. Love the fact that he is willing to pull the trigger whenever, wherever. It's kind of like the Dion Waiters back in the day. Like, I'd rather be oh, over 30 than over 10 because then I stopped shooting. <laughs> that's what I like. The other, the other piece, too, is last year there was a significant trend when Caleb Grill didn't play. We were significantly worse on offense because we weren't taking slash making threes. The fact that we will be taking and potentially making threes this year with new transfers gives us a lot more options. Plus, on top of the fact that guys like Milan and Omaha, they can stretch to three, it's going to give those guys more space to work. Because you got to think, the more three-level scores you have, when it comes to three levels, it's three-point mid-range and at the at the rim. Okay. The more options you have, it's going to make the defense work harder. They're going to be guessing more than actually like, all right, this guy's just going to shoot it, or this guy's going to—he's a shooter or he's a driver. And it's like, hey, you got to play this guy straight up. He's going to be a tough guard. Well, and I th- another guy that benefits from this transfer group, I think the guy that might benefit the most is everybody's favorite, Taman Limpsey. Like, he's, he's a guy you can't not root for. But with Taman, he was the primary ball carrier or uh, primary ball handler last year because he had to be, uh, because they had a, you know, the, the guy who was going to start ahead of him tore his Achilles. And then he was basically like, all right, we have nobody else to do this job. Here's the ball every single time you go down the court, unless somebody can take the odd possession here or there. What does it do for Taman, the fact that you have, two, maybe three guys between Gilbert and Pavletsky primarily, and then a little bit Jones, as far as getting Taman off the ball, what does that do for him to have another guy who can be a primary ball handler with his offensive game? Well, I think it's going to make him more aggressive on offense to start, and I think it's going to give him more open looks. Why why is that? Why why more aggressive? I think he's going to have a lesser defender on him because those guys are such threats on offense. Like, mm. hey, these not, guys can't. Not, not just that, too, but he, no one respected him last year out on the on the arc. They just would sag in the lane, and they just, you know, shoot. And, you know, he never did. So I think he's shooting better. I've heard yeah. the season, but sorry, continue. No, I, I, I agree with you. Like, I think he he has developed that shot from what it looks like from the outside. I mean, I'm not in the, I'm not in Sukhum every day, but it looks to be that you know they're going to have to respect him and he's going to be able to get downhill more often which is going to create for those other guys on top of the fact that they're going to be able to create for him and potentially open up some driving lanes for him even if he doesn't want to take the shot so overall i like how the roster is constructed from just a hey these are some guys that can put the ball on the floor and be secondary ball handlers if Taman needs to take a playoff or just you know swing the ball and move to the corner 
and then keep the offensive rotation flowing from there because he's not always going to be the guy who has to make the drive. So uh, while we're talking about Taman, there's one thing that I was kind of curious about last year, about last year, and I think it was Chris and Brent maybe were talking about it. So analytics play a big part in basketball because it feels like baseball is the sport that is analytics because it's so one-on-one pitcher versus catcher, or excuse me, pitcher versus hitter. Um, but basketball is kind of that because there's only five guys on the floor at any one given time. And the act of shooting, despite no two shots ever being identical except free throws, they're more similar than football plays. So like the analytics, it feels like baseball is number one and basketball is number two. Well, last year, I remember them talking about where you're not, I don't want to say allowed to shoot and not allowed to shoot, but encouraged to shoot and discouraged to shoot. And that Taman last year, if it was a, not necessarily a mid-range shot, but let's say he's a, it's an 18 footer. So mid-range shot, 18 footer, uh, the guy sagged way off of him, but technically speaking, because of the analytics, he was instructed not to shoot that shot, but the opponent is presenting that shot. So in those moments, he passed on that shot because analytically he was told not to. How much of that, how much of analytics gets put into the game plan and how much are you processing that when it's actually on the floor? Because to me, it feels like uh, once you're actually going, it has to be at least a little bit feel, but if you're too feely then you know you end up shooting the ball 26 times and making four of them so like how much is that true that you're going to get told to not shoot certain shots and if that's true how much do you process that on the floor especially being a freshman i could see that that was something that they told him last year was hey don't take this shot I mean, honestly, I don't think Taman's really processing it from an analytical standpoint. It's more of like a, hey, I can't take this shot because I want to stay in the game. So if he takes that shot, maybe it goes poorly. He might be the, you know, get him. So that's Is that really how that's, rotations go at times. Like if they if you take a bad shot, I mean, I would imagine there's longer leashes for certain guys. Like if, uh, you know, a George Niang takes a bad shot, you're not going to yank him for taking one bad shot. But is that like really rotations are like he took a stupid shot. Go get him. Like, is that really how rotations go? Depending on the coach. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can, uh, tell you firsthand <laughs> machine gun Mahoney, machine gun Mahoney. pulling up from wherever, man. Damn it, Mahoney. That's coach. The, I was the, open. The 46 footers, not the shot we need to take. I was open. Uh, okay. So <laughs> if so that's... many of Taman's shots last year, if I could just like into his shoes, who ought to let them fly? <laughs> what I've no made them what. probably not, but, was a hey, shot I saw that I didn't like. Confidently, man. Let Com- her rip, baby. Confidently Let her up. fly! Um, so with, like, going into this year then, like, knowing that there are analytics that he probably did get the red light for, do you think that there is going to be a certain amount of that of still, hey, because it's, it's a different reason to not shoot this year, you know, to, quote, not shoot. Because last year, it's like, hey, don't shoot because you're a freshman point guard and here's what we think your skill set is and here's where you fit in the offense. Versus this, it's like, we got four other dudes on the floor that are going to be great shooters. So if uh, the odds of making a shot on, you know, a points per possession thing, if the odds of making an 18 footer are, or the, the points per possession on this are 1.2, but a corner three, the abs, the, the points per possession is like 1.9. We'll pass up that 18 foot jumper because there's a potential that we get uh, on the corner. Do you think that he's still going to have, I don't want to say he or anyone on the offense is going to have like a damper on it? Or do you think they're going to let this offense cook a little bit more because they have more talented shooters? 
personally, I would hope that they kind of take the training wheels off a little bit. Like, hey, let's let him prove that he can make this shot. Because I, I think that he's more than capable of making an 18-foot jump shot. I feel like most college guards are, especially with how he's been looking in the preseason. Um, and really, I think it comes down to game situation. Like, I don't think you're going to be kicking out to the corner from the mid-range if there's four seconds on the shot clock. I think you just take the shot. Like, don't have that guy be forced to take that shot if he's not quite ready. If you're in rhythm, take the shot. I think that's really what it comes down to. I hope we have so many plays, like in the first four games when we're playing like these you know, you know, South, South Harmon Institute of Technology schools that they, they draw up plays for him. Him, Taman? T- for Taman, just like, I want him shooting 10 threes a game these first Well, these first I feel like games. you could you could flirt with fire a little bit because if you shoot 10 threes and you make two of them, you, you're trying to get the guy's confidence up. Well, <laughs> let, let, the, let the, the, the opposition see him. Like, oh, he still can't shoot because then, boom, we give, the, give him the ball. Knock him down a conference play. I might tell him to shoot left-handed a couple times, just to let him know. You know, well, I don't know. I couldn't make him right-handed. I tried him left-handed. Still can't make him. And then in the season, boom, right-handed, knock him down. Let's go, Taman. I think your I think your idea is stupid. Anyway, did it. Uh, with the, the we were also talking ahead, like before we started recording. The thing that I think I'm the most excited for this year, if we're taking a really, a really hard left turn, the thing I'm most excited this year are the the personnel combinations you can make with this roster because we talk sort of like sort of position by position but if we go like kind of to recap who's doing what like your centers your posts your the big big guys are trey king robert jones and Hassan ward well trey king and robert jones are physical just like if you break your jaw when we're playing i don't really care that's probably what i'm shooting for versus Hassan ward is a dude who's what 610 and has probably a 38 inch vertical just like a freak athlete and then you have the wings which are damarian watson blue mom and caden fish guards and Keyshawn gilbert pavletsky kurt jones Taman lipsy jelani hamilton and then you have guys that probably won't play a ton which are going to be jt rock Cade kelderman and conrad holly but like the the personnel combinations the one that i'm the most excited to see is getting omaha and hassan ward on the floor at the same time what are the stuff that you what uh, describe a little bit of the stuff that you can do with two guys that can, that are that athletic, that are that big for like to, to tantalize the, the potential viewing audience here. We're on a three, two zone. Well, one, the thing that comes to mind is press because those guys can fly around and they're that big. They're going to be like, you know, six, 10, six, 11 safeties that you steal that you're already on a break. It's going to be a man advantage. You're going to get some lob dunks out of this. Oh yeah. Um, lob dunks, baby. Can you imagine the just other- for a second? Can we just imagine, let's say it's like uh, I don't know, TCU playing at Hilton. I don't know if we play TCU at Hilton and it's like play KU at, at Hilton, KU at Hilton, Iowa state comes back from being down four and like they're down one and you get a fast break where Omaha just dunks one with his forehead, you know, like, just the noise that Hilton Coliseum is <laughs> the noise that that state that Coliseum is going to be nuts. So anyway, sorry. He dunked it with his forehead. John Walters. <laughs> yeah, he's going to just Carter with his elbow in the room. Yeah. <laughs> but okay. Anyway, continue. No, I, I think I think that's the big thing is you get to be so much more versatile because you have to also think too that the defense on the other team has to likely either go speed or small because you can't have a guy like uh, I'm. I know Eddie Lampkin's out of the conference now, but a guy like Eddie Lampkin probably can't be on the court with those two guys. Because you're going to run, just run into circles. Yeah. 
on top of the fact that, you know, you could run a continuous motion offense, which is ultimately positionless. Like you could really, that, that horn set we were talking about uh, before the show with that, the, sorry, I'm blanking right now, but where you have the two guys on the elbows, Tame and Lipsy's coming off either direction. One of them's going to pop and the other one's going to get a lot of pass. And if anybody helps, it's going to be a corner three for, for the rest of the team. Uh, that's, that's probably the most exciting thing about that lineup combination is the fact that if there is any help, we will be very good from the three-point line. We'll get open looks. Is there any, any kind of personnel? Buffer there? There, yeah, you're a little bit. Um, is there any personnel combinations that you were excited to see like going into this season? Who, who, do you, who are you excited to see on the floor together at the same time? Keyshawn Gilbert, Curtis Jones, Taman Lipsy, Omaha Baloo, and a Milan Momchilovic lineup would be oh boy. the best lineup in my opinion. Oh boy. That's a lot of points. That is a substantial amount of points. Who will be the, who, who is like, okay, we're, I would say it's down two. There's eight seconds left. Who's getting the shot? Game situation notwithstanding. Because the hot hand, yes. But game situation notwithstanding. Yeah. Probably Gilbert. Okay. That's what I would think. Not Jiggy, huh? I think he's probably a little bit better off ball, but again, we have, I think I really, we, we really need to see a game before I can make that judgment. True. Yeah. I'm just pumped. I'm just, I'm having you call your shots right now. Who's going to be the leading scorer at the end of the year. I'm also going to say Keyshawn Gilbert. Oh, you're going against Jiggy, man. <laughs> Kurt Jones. Uh, who, if you had to take any of the guys in the roster, who is on the all big 12 team and which team do they fall onto? Man, the conference is so loaded this year. And there's like, there's 7,000 teams in the conference now. And Houston is, it gets added to the conference who, so anyway, next year we're getting even more. Who is on the all conference teams and what team are they on? Before anyone shoot a shot. We're going to go back to this in, in March and, and rehash it. I think Tame and Lipsy will be on an All Big Twelve team. I think I think Keyshawn Gilbert will also be on an All Big Twelve team. I really think this team will get a first round buy in the Big Twelve tournament. I think they're potentially that good, with especially with how big the conference is now. Uh, Keyshawn Gilbert will be. I'm gonna I'm gonna take him as a second team guy. I'll put okay. Tame and Lipsy on the third team, and then you got a Trey King. I mean, how many how many guys are on the All Big Twelve teams? Is it is it five or six per per team? I think it's five per team. I think. Okay, so top fifteen players. We we kind of have to assume that guys like Dickinson are going to be on it, regardless of of health and status. By uh, Omaha, I think he could be a second if, if he has if he has the year that he's capable of. I think he's a first team guy. That's a freak athlete with that with that. Low, with as loaded as the conference is. Yeah. I mean, I think those are the the three. I think guys like uh like Jiggy are gonna be like honorable mention guys. Uh I think Jackson Pav will be an honorable mention guy. Ooh, that's my guy. I know represent Wisconsin. I think I think both Milan and Omaha will be first team all freshmen. But I think those that's kind of will be how it goes. I feel like Kansas does get an unfair shake. Like it doesn't matter how good they are, they'll get a first team bunch of first team guys for no yeah. for no. Well, is it Damian Harris? Is it Harris? Is that his last name? Damian is it oh, Damian Dewan. Harris? 
Dewan Harris. I mean, that he might be the best player in the conference. Like he's he's been at Kansas for like 13 years, but <laughs> he's, he's one of the best point guards in the country. Yeah, like he just doesn't make a mistake. Like that's the thing that is so freaking annoying. About I think Tamin held his own against him. Though. He did. He did. But like that's they're the same player. Just uh, Dewan Harris is just seven years older. He's just been playing since 2006. But he's going to be on his own health insurance in a minute here. <laughs> he's getting kicked off his parents' cell phone plan already. <laughs> um, no, I guess, is there anything else that you, that we didn't talk about the basketball season that you are either excited for or curious about? I'm curious to see how, how they fare in that ESPN Kiss Me Florida tournament, that ESPN events classic or whatever the correct terminology is. I, th- I think their floor in the non-conference this year is probably nine to 10 wins. I want to see, you know, if we can, if we can wrap up non-con 12 and one, that'd be pretty sweet. That's what I'm most excited for. Cause I think the conference is going to be a bloodbath this year. Probably looking at a 11 and seven. Hey, dude, if you finish 11 and seven in this big 12, you are doing good for yourself. I think the winning, cause there's 18 games. Yes. They're playing 18 yeah. this season. If the winning team which whoever at Kansas, Houston, probably going to be the co-favorites, uh, winning team might only have like 14, 13, 14 wins. Because what, 13 and 5? If you go 13 12, and 5, that's pretty damn 12 and good. 6 won the conference last year. Yeah, and it's going to be, so yeah, 12 wins might win the conference because it's a gauntlet. I think Iowa State's got a really good shot of, of I mean, not putting the cart in front of the horse, but to, to win this ESPN events, Invitational, it's, it's uh, Boise State, Butler, looks like FAU, Iowa State, Penn State, A&M, VCU, and uh, Virginia Tech. Iowa State plays VCU first, and then they play either Boise State or, or Virginia Tech. Um, I mean, I'm calling I'm calling it now. They're going to win that tournament, and they're going to go to the Elite Eight. Okay. They went to Sweet 16 right. the last two years with, with teams that couldn't shoot a three. <laughs> um, I, think Elite, I think Elite Eight's the floor. All right. That's a bold call. Well, uh, we're going to hear a lot more from Nate come basketball season. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thanks, Nate. No problem. Looking forward to being in the studio next time. Heck yeah. Kick it! So that was Nate Schuster. Uh, the dude knows so much about basketball. It's, it, it doesn't make me feel dumb, but it just illuminates the fact that I need to learn more about basketball. Yeah, I think he's, he, I think he's a really great addition. Um, once games get to roll in, too, and we get some, some material. Um, yeah, it is hard to, to talk preseason. Yeah. Because it's, I mean, it's all kind of projections, and no one really knows what's going to happen. But I think once we, you know, once the lights come on, we're gonna and, and we find out, you know, what this team's all about. Basketball's gonna be, gonna be good too because there are usually two games a week, so we're gonna have you know plenty of content. Yeah, to talk about. And he's so he we were, he was recording. He's a kid from Milwaukee, and he's from Milwaukee, and so he's back in Milwaukee just this week. But he lives in West Des Moines, so he's gonna be able to be in studio with us. Which in studio vibe, much easier to to do than a remote vibe. But I think there's going to be some, I, I feel like the shenanigans level, he, he's a little, you know, a little bit nervous. I, I, I'm going to try and see if we can get him to swear every single week. Okay. Yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, I know I'm not everyone's cup of tea. Not everyone can handle me. So we'll see how he, uh, how he handles me. All right. Well, thanks everybody for joining in. Thanks for all the loyal listeners. If you are still listening and remember adopt, don't shop.